day one, week one, see that there's an immediate opportunity to, to help your partner out or, or to pull your partner in for help on, on a specific account. If you can sell that joint value story to your customer facing teams to the point where if they believe it on your side, half the job is already done. Welcome to Make Them Famous, the podcast about partner enablement. The only podcast to uncover both how partner teams enable their partners and how other department leaders enable their partner teams to achieve success. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Make Them Famous, the partner enablement podcast where myself and my co-host, Alex Glenn, speak with different leaders in the partner ecosystem to learn about how they've grown their programs and what defined them as, as successful versus not. For my episode today, I get the opportunity to speak with the one and only Fabian Ekstrom French of Stencil. We discuss his passion for partnerships and how he's built programs from the ground up for the past few years and the main pillars that he focuses on when doing so. Of course, we couldn't make this podcast famous without our amazing sponsors. For sponsorships, we aimed for not only great products, but techs used to power some of the top partner programs around. We invited Partner Stack, ShareWork, and Sendoso to be our sponsors. Partner Stack, for those unfamiliar, is the leading partner management platform for SaaS companies like Monday.com, Unbounce, Intercom, Webflow, and is a company we've closely worked with. We advise many of our program market fit clients to demo Partner Stack when they are ready to scale revenue through partnerships. And we'll talk a lot about co-selling in this podcast, so please check out our second sponsor, ShareWork, a free app that allows partnership managers at top companies like Qualtrics, Fullstory, Smart Recruiters, and Sendoso to easily generate partner source and partner influence deals thanks to real-time and unlimited account mapping. ShareWork is offering a um, Make Them Famous listeners three months free access to their paid features to map unlimited accounts, generate deals, and attribute revenue to the partnership manager's efforts. Use the link below to sign up and get this special offer. Finally, the top sales and partnership teams around know of our third-party partner, Sendoso, the leading sending platform. Sendoso is the most effective way for revenue-generating teams to stand out with the new ways to engage at strategic points throughout the customer journey. By connecting digital and physical strategies, companies can engage acquire, and retain customers easier than ever before. Founded in 2016, Sendoso is trusted by over 500 companies and has a vast global footprint with a presence in North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific. Learn more at Sendoso.com. I'm your host, Karina Shaheen, and I'm beyond excited to welcome our guest for today, Head of Partnerships at Stencil, Fabian Ekstrom French. Fabian, I'm so excited to have you. How are you doing today? I am well, thanks, Karina. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Of course, and I know you recently moved over to New Zealand, so thank you for joining me. We are completely different days right now, and I I love that actually. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wednesday. I'm I'm a day ahead of you. <laughs> Welcome to the future. So fun. Welcome to the future. Let's talk about the future of partnerships. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have an impressive history under your belt of all things partnerships. And for those listening, I actually was introduced to Fabian through my uh, CEO and co-founder, uh, Chris Rudigrap. He was like, you have to get this guy on your podcast. He is it. Um, and and we previously worked with Fabian when um, he was at one of his former companies a few years back. So it's great that things have come full circle. 
I think for those listening, it would be um, really good uh, for you to just share a little bit more about where you started your career in partnerships um, and and what you're doing now at Stencil. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, honestly, my, my earliest stages of partnerships came in the form of sort of uh, management consulting, business development stuff, which then... Uh, and then really crystallized in my first role as uh, head of partnerships at a startup called Visible while I was in Seattle. Um, yeah, uh, that was that was the first time I sort of got to launch a, a partner ecosystem from the ground up. And it was everything from uh, agency partners to ISV partners and strategic partnerships and, and sort of everything in between. It was it was a, an amazing uh, learning curve. Uh, Doing, doing that one, starting off as a team of one and, and growing uh, through to acquisition. So that was, that was a really fun one. Uh, I, I then, post uh, Visible's acquisition by Marketo, I moved over to run partnerships for one of, uh, one of Visible's partners, Madison Logic, uh, and did some similar things there. So ran the partner ecosystem. There was already something in place there, so it was really just helping to grow what, what they already had in place. and managing their strategic partners. And then most recently, I have shifted across uh, back into the email marketing space uh, uh, into uh, running partnerships for Stencil. So similar thing to Visible, uh, Stencil doesn't really have, didn't didn't really have a partnership uh, program before I, I came on last year. And uh, where we are now is building up, uh, building up that partner ecosystem, identifying sort of the best types of partners and um, and then bringing those partners on board and, and enabling them. I love it. One, one of the um, most common topics I think I've been talking about lately with some people in the space is how to launch a partner ecosystem quickly and and not necessarily like as fast as you can possibly do it but more so like you know how do you do it efficiently and kind of in this uh almost like the same use case that you're at now with stencil you just joined there and you had to launch it um quickly and effectively so what were those you know main uh i guess focus points for you when you joined stencil and you're like all right here i go this is how i'm gonna start it yeah i think really good question and uh, and now for me like the the first piece comes down to to knowing your business, and a lot of it. I think giving the answer it depends is uh, is maybe not what you're looking for, but it kind of depends on on what your organizational go- uh, organization's goals are around partnerships. Uh, are they looking to um, grow the business through um, through integrations and technology partnerships, and and help increase the stickiness of uh, of customers across partners uh, from a product standpoint, or are they looking to grow into uh, new spaces? Are they looking to um, get that brand recognition from some of the big strategic partner players? Are they looking to build uh, services uh, and, have, and partner with services uh, organizations? So figuring out like what the actual objective is, are we looking to uh, sort of vo- grow the uh, volume of partners or the volume of customers, or are we looking to focus on uh, on revenue? Because you can get, uh, some partners might be able to bring you a large volume of customers, but if they're not um, the high revenue or the, the, the ideal customer profile, then that's not necessarily going to be ideal. So figuring out what the goals are um, is probably key number one, making, making sure that you're aligned uh, with sort of your product team and your uh, revenue team 
and making sure that everyone's on the same page is probably priority number one. Uh, and once you've figured out who are the partners we're going to go after, what are the categories of partner we're going after, then the, the strategy for me is always, well, within each of those categories, what is the best approach? Do we go after the partners that are easy? Uh, or do we go after the partners that are most influential? Or do we try to strike some kind of a balance? Um, and so asking those questions, making sure you, you have built consensus is probably step number one. And once you're at that point, then you can kind of get to the art of building up that ecosystem. Do you think that um, just going back to like this, this first point is really like, okay, what's the objective of your partner program align with, you know, um, all of your execs, make sure everyone's on the same page. What do they want to get out of the partner program? Do you see, and from your experience that it's been heavily influenced on revenue sometimes, like let's build a partner program or almost like a channel. So we have another source of revenue and let's try to identify partners that can do that. Or have you seen it the reverse sometimes where, well, we know that we can be really successful with, you know, maybe more integrations. Let's first start with that and then see if the revenue comes later. Honestly, I've seen both. Yeah. And I think it helps to, to, to strike a balance because there is a ton of opportunity. There are so many other players out there from a business development standpoint uh, that have your customers here or your, prospect, your prospects here. Uh, and so focusing on, on if, it is sometimes helpful to to have sort of two separate initiatives, the business development initiative where you're focused on, let's see how much revenue we can bring in through partnerships. And that's, that's obviously very exciting. Uh, but in tandem, it's, it's always really helpful to be able to reinforce that and, and with the actual value to the end customers. So uh, what I think about when I think about who are the partners that we're going to go after and which ones make the most sense for, for us to prioritize, are, I look at sort of these three core pillars. Um, those pillars being sort of the joint value that we provide, so the joint value proposition, uh, the ideal customer profile overlap, so how similar are their customers and, and pros, uh, ideal prospects to, to our customers and our ideal prospects, um, how strong is that, that joint value that we provide to the end customers, and and then the third pillar, which is a little bit of a softer metric and, and more difficult to to sort of understand on paper, is enthusiasm. And I think this one is kind of like the secret sauce to partnerships because on paper, um, one partner might look like the business, right? That they have uh, the the value that your two products combined uh, create for the end customer is huge um, and they have all of these amazing uh, customers that, that you'd love to sell into uh, so on paper they might look amazing uh, but sometimes those partners because by virtue of the fact that they are so big they're not as enthusiastic uh, the other end the sort of the other extreme that you've got to be wary of is there will be uh partners where maybe they they do have a strong joint value proposition as well um and they're very very enthusiastic but they're smaller and they don't have <laughs> they don't have that customer base so while you may share a similar ideal customer profile and a, a strong joint value proposition uh and they're very enthusiastic um you've got to make sure that they're able to help support and, and drive reciprocal um business and so depending on 
where you are in your in your organization. So ecosystem development really influences a lot of uh, who you should partner with, as well as like who you're actually genuinely able to partner with. Like if you're um, a very early stage startup that that only has a handful of customers, good luck signing on Accenture as a partner, right? Um, but but um, or you know any of those those really big international uh, the GSIs or the, the advisory firms um, but if you're if you're uh, working in a, in a very niche space there's oftentimes um, partners that are really yeah, really able to provide a lot of value that are supporting and selling into the same uh, personas so it's all a bit of a balance and, and a balancing act and making sure that you are checking off those those three pillars like if there's no strong joint value that you can provide to your customers, it's very difficult to um, to sort of weave uh, a partnership story into uh, into a sales conversation with a prospect or or with an existing customer, right? Uh, if if there is a very clear added value to uh, incorporating the partner into um, into the tech stack or uh, or services partners as well, then it then it's a lot easier to sell. I completely agree. I think really the joint value is a strong one, something I see come up a lot more lately. You don't want to have to also try to pressure or force that joint value. Um, It'll come very naturally. So maybe you do share a lot of mutual customers. However, they're not using your solutions in tandem um, maybe maybe this isn't the right partner to co-sell or work with, but they're good for other things. You don't want to force that um, joint value there. It, it would also come naturally. I think the enthusiasm is 100% on par, and that's something I chatted with um, Terminus and Mojo Media Labs about as well. You know, you want to be able to have some type of synergy and come to the table both excited for opportunities and different events and activities to work with one another on. Um, And then, like you said as well, if that ICP isn't there, it's really hard to have those co-sell types of relationships, but it's also hard to even kind of share more about your joint value. I would also go to say, like, even if it's not the same personas, um, that sometimes can get a little tricky because if someone is selling to someone in IT, but it is a good customer for you, but you sell to sales or marketing, then it it does cause for um, more so just a little bit of um, uh, difficulties when co-selling. But obviously, there's so many other things you can do in a partnership besides just co-selling. But I really do like all of those points. Um, So how long do you think, would you say, just in your experience, that it took you to identify, you know, those different uh, pillars and really kick off your partner program? Was this like a month, two months, six months? What did that look like? I think it's an evolution, right? Like we're always learning. I think um, this, those three pillars are something that uh, I would say I identified pretty early on, Um, but they are, they are three pillars that I, that I really try to stick to. Like if any one of those core pieces are missing it's going to be very difficult as you said to co-sell and there may be opportunities to do um to do more co-marketing and so on um but i think when you talk about personas uh those are those are something that influence uh whether or not you can co-sell um if you check those three boxes around joint value uh ideal customer profile 
um, and enthusiasm, I think co-marketing is is definitely going to be a, a sort of top tier activity that you can do with all, across all of those partners. Um, but absolutely, when it comes to co-selling, personas is, is definitely key. Yeah, exactly. The evolution of partnerships, I think that's such a great way to describe it because as your company continues to grow, the partners that you're going to work with are going to be a little bit different as well. Um, that's something I've experienced and I think a lot of others can uh, talk about that too. So you really are always learning. Um, that is 100% true. Um are there any any things that you do right away? Like what is your go-to strategy for really enabling your partners quickly and getting them activated quickly once they do join your program? Yeah, I think uh, the very first sort of most important thing that I really like to do first up is make sure that you're laying those foundations. So sharing sharing information is is key. Um, and, and opening up lines of communication between your teams. And I think sort of how we do that, how you lay those foundations and how you, how you kind of get things started. I think number one in terms of, um, sort of process is always start with the, an NDA. Get that NDA in place, uh, so that you're open to actually share the information <laughs> that is important. And then number two is, uh, get some account mapping in place just to validate that you know, we think based off of our research that uh, we have we have that match in terms of ideal customer profile uh, across our, our customers and prospects. But doing an account mapping exercise really early on really does help to validate that yes, indeed, there is uh, there is opportunity here. Um, and and also, even if you're you're already very clear about the opportunity. Just being able to validate that using mutual customer uh, case studies is another key point is to sort of in terms of a, a first co-marketing initiative, getting a case study in place um, and uh, account mapping really allows you to do that. So once you've got that in place, it's then very quickly coming to formalize that joint value proposition. And again, like the joint value proposition you might think is obvious. But as you start talking amongst your teams and your customer facing sort of go to market teams, particularly the success teams and the solutions teams, they're going to come up with additional aspects of the joint value proposition that you may not have uh, seen sort of at first glance. And being able to flesh that out and really build upon it to come up with something that is both uh, uh, agreed upon by both sides that this is the the additional value that we provide and, and having that formalized and written down somewhere, we typically will put together a one pager or it's usually a double sided one pager that, that lays out the, the full value of why our, uh, our platform and our partner's platform or our, or our um, partner's services combined helps to drive those synergies and the value that it provides and why a customer might want to work together with both of us. Uh, having that as the, the keystone foundation piece, I think, is core and allows for very quick enablement. Um, and then the next piece is like enabling, like enable everyone on both sides, educate everyone, and and make sure it's easy for them to communicate with each other. Um, so oftentimes we'll set up like a Slack channel uh, if where Slack connect, our, our go-to-market teams can connect with each other. Um, yeah. Those, those are kind of some of the, the key pieces. And then I think the next step is like giving to get. So I think with partnerships, the, the key to a, a high value partnership and a, a true and sort of the sign of a true partnership 
is reciprocity. Like that ability to, if you can give your partner some value up front, um, you're going to see a much quicker time to value. And, and sometimes there is a bit of um, a sell to the sales team in particular, uh, and, and as well as the success team, sort of anyone that's touching customers. It's like, they may be a little bit resistant, um, but if you can, if you can, uh, if you can sell that joint value story to your customer facing teams to the point where if they believe it on your side, half the job is already done. Uh, so get them to, uh, understand the value that you provide and promote it to their customers. Because once they're doing that and they're, uh, making introductions and pushing business in the direction of your partner, uh, you, I, what I have seen, uh, it does open the floodgates because the partner becomes grateful and they really, nothing helps them to recognize the joint value that you provide, uh, like actually feeling it and experiencing it themselves. Kind of selling the what's in it for me is always key. And the best way to do that is by actually having them experience what is in it for them. <laughs> so I think that's, that's right on point too. And I, I think another, it doesn't always need to be, you know, like net new partner leads. That's what I've kind of seen in my experience. I think those will come naturally and, and we'll reach out to the partner when those do come in. Um, but yes, you always got to keep uh, educating and enabling your team so they know like, oh, if I hear this verbiage, that actually would be really great for our new partner or this integration we just offer. So I'm going to send them and refer them over that way. But another thing I've also noticed to be really helpful and to just strengthen the partnership is also aligning on, let's say your partner is working some open opportunities that are your customers, you know, connecting that sales rep with your CSM and comparing notes and, and maybe sharing a little bit more about, well, this is actually how our two technologies can work together. Um, and I will, you know, help push this deal for you because if I do, um, and that you know, customer gets signed on with you as well, they're going to just be a better user of my solution as well. Um, so it doesn't always need to be like net new. That's obviously really great because that's, an, you know, that extra source of revenue. However, that's how you can really get your teams kind of aligned and at least comfortable and trusting one another. And then I think some more of those uh, net new referrals and leads uh, eventually start flowing in a little bit more because you're top of mind. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, yeah, the more that you can give your partner, whether, yeah, in an ideal world, it's it's leads, it's, it's active referrals, but even just intelligence sharing, getting them on the line, talking to them about real world examples is the best enablement that exists, right? Like it's one thing for, uh, for you to kind of talk about a hypothetical and this is the value proposition that we provide to clients in general. But if you can talk to, um, you know, specific customer A, is experiencing this problem uh it's, it's a lot easier for you for you to then um get the buy-in of the reps that have like an actual tie to that specific account and care about the outcomes on that account and in your experience how like where in the stage of that and uh, that new partnership do you see this uh, you know, alignment of teams happening. Um, you know, you obviously, you sign on your partner, you make sure that you, you know, get an NDA in place. You, you know, look at um, what mutual customers you share, work on that joint value, maybe get a customer story. Do you think it's normally like, you know, maybe like 
three months down the road where then, you know, things are kind of finalized, content is produced, and that's where you can start having these conversations? Or does it really just vary um, for each partnership? I think it's a pretty good estimate. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does vary. (laughs) But I think on average, you know, there are going to be examples where you can, in like day one, week one, see that there's an immediate opportunity to, to help your partner out or, or to pull your partner in for help on, on a specific account. But more often than not, it does make sense to get all of those foundations in place um, and and then and then pull it in. And that, and that does take a couple of months. I do think, though, when we talk about like having a case study of, uh, of existing sort of mutual customers, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-blown uh, external market-facing case study something anecdotal an anecdotal customer story of you know we share this customer and this is the value we provide to to this this particular customer um just something that you can use internally uh with customers who the team recognize uh is also very helpful oh yeah do you ever um have certain customers almost beta the integration or leveraging the technology together um, to then create that little story from there and then kind of follow along in their experience and even, you know, create a more um, fully developed one later on? Absolutely. And I think, again, that that sort of sounds very much like in a integration technology partner uh, world, absolutely. Uh, in fact, oftentimes, if, if we're talking about technology partnerships, um, we'll the way we approach uh, those is a little bit different to the way that we might approach a services partner, obviously. Uh, and with that, typically we come with the customer. I, I sort of will advocate a customer support, a customer first approach. So it'll be work with the customer success team. What are the common issues and challenges that our customers are facing? What is it that our customers are most asking for? Uh, and building those integrations first. And absolutely, there's always going to be a beta uh, because. Inevitably, there'll be uh, use cases that are missed, or you know, challenges or bugs in the first in the first round that, that need to be worked out. And so, having yeah, having those beta customers is, is definitely key on uh, an integration partnership. Uh, though I have to say, like, not all partnerships, uh, even between technology companies, require uh, a direct integration at the get-go. Sometimes there are complementary products that don't require integration. Um, and I think that's probably worth noting. You can go to market with a partner without having an integration, um, though oftentimes it will be necessary. Yeah. And I think like it's it's nice to hear you keep uh, coming back to customers. I think partnerships are really customer-centric as well. Like Obviously, you know, in the very beginning when you're growing out a program, it's what do you really want this um program to look like you know what is, what is your business looking to achieve but also going to your customers and trying to understand like what is it that you guys would like to see from us is there a specific integration or or um, maybe you're working with agency or consulting partners that would be beneficial to join our program um, I think it's it's interesting because partnerships are really really customer like product centric and so it's nice to hear you keep coming back to customers and really just trying to understand what they need and want. I think so. I mean, for something to be truly sustainable in the long term, a partnership does need to reflect the, the needs and wants of your customer base. Um, if you think it's a good fit, but that's not actually what your customers want or need, uh, it's it's not going to to really provide the outcome that you want in the long run. So 
I think that validation, uh, working really closely with the product team, if it's a technology partnership, I think is definitely key. And in all aspects of partnership being across the go-to-market teams, uh, that includes sales, customer success, solutions, anyone that really touches customers uh, is, is going to have really solid insights into not just the types of problems and the types of partners that make the most sense, uh, but the specific partners <laughs> that are coming up that, that customers want to see and work with. What would um, a word of advice that you would give to someone that is just starting off their program? What would you say if you know they're having multiple conversations with possible partners, but they're really not sure if it fits their ICP and they're kind of forcing the joint value? Um, do they commit to this partnership and just try to make it work? Or, or what kind of uh, piece of advice would you give to them? There are so many opportunities across so many different partners. Uh, you really do want to take the time to validate that the these partners that you're that you're working with that you're considering working with really do support your business's needs um and i think that's something that yeah if you if if you're not checking all of those pillars i would definitely think twice if you if you're not able to validate sort of the, the strong joint value proposition this the strong customer overlap and and the enthusiasm on the partner side it's going to be an uphill battle um any lacking any one of those those three pieces i think um yeah i mean you can fake it you can fake it without a, a joint value proposition uh, if you've got the strong overlap between customers and the enthusiasm on the partnership but ultimately it's going to fail it's not going to be sustainable long term um and similarly you know with a strong joint value proposition and a lot of enthusiasm you can try <laughs> But if your customers, if the, like, if your customers aren't there, it's not going to work. And, and of course, like the same is true with a, a joint value, uh, with a joint value proposition or, or like a, you know, enthusiasm. You may on paper have this amazing joint value prop and perfect customer, uh, alignment. But if one side is lacking that enthusiasm, um, it's, it's probably not worth your effort of pushing too hard. You know, put by all means, if it looks good on paper, push, but don't waste your time on a partner that's not willing to reciprocate. Yeah, I, I agree. So for those of you who are listening and you're looking to, you know, start and launch a, a partner program really quickly and there's a handful of people you can partner with, but you're not sure if really it's a good fit for you and, and maybe you're going to be putting too much work into something that isn't a fit right now, you can always revisit it later on down the road. Um, really take the time, identify the ICP, the joint value, find that enthusiasm, make sure your goals are shared um, so that you can have a partnership that you can really move on quickly. I find that if you don't have those three main pillars to focus on and it doesn't make sense, it normally doesn't go anywhere. Um, but that doesn't mean it will never happen um, in the entire, you know, era of your partner program existing. So that can always be revisited later. Absolutely. I mean, all of those things can change, right? Like your partner's product changes, your product changes, and all of a sudden there is a joint value story that is compelling, or they pivot and they move from sort of commercial to enterprise. And all of a sudden, maybe, maybe there is an ICP match, um, or, you know, the team changes. And, and the new one is a much more enthusiastic, like there's always opportunity, I think, um, you know, and the same thing can happen on both sides. Uh, so as businesses grow and change, uh, there may be opportunities to partner in the future, but I think the best, the best approach is to look at, do we have the, the ideal set of, um, 
factories for an, for an ideal partnership today? And if so, let's go really hard for the, that small set where we are able to provide reciprocal value. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. Echoing that all day long. So I have one last question for you here, and it's really vague. Um, but you obviously, you know, you've had a lot of experience in growing out different partner programs, various ones as well. If you could just share some words of wisdom to those that are looking to do the same or kind of stuck in a place um, that they don't want to be, where would you tell them to put their focus and, and what other words of wisdom would you share with them? Yeah. So I think if they're stuck in a place where they don't want to be, um, what where i would tell them to focus is is figure out like what and what is the what is the place what is the problem uh maybe um go back to go back to step go back to sort of ground zero and step one and just have that internal alignment with your your internal stakeholders make sure that you're aligned uh your strategy is aligned with your product and revenue teams um you know once you've got once once you know that your approach uh, works for product, works for marketing, works for sales, uh, then it's a matter of, okay, which of our customers, which of our partners can support this? And if, if the current ones don't, then then maybe reevaluate um, where you should be focusing your efforts. I love that. Okay, well, you guys all heard it here. Patience, take it slow, really get a good understanding of what is the objective of your partner program? What do your customers want? What do they need? Understand your ICP. Make sure it is, um, you know, similar to the partners you're looking at. Your joint value should be something that you can really just draft up easy and that other people understand and see the value in. And the enthusiasm definitely has to be there. You, you're going to want to work with partners that want to work with you as well. You do not want to be chasing them. Um, Fabian, it was so great to have you on. I appreciate you sharing all of your experience with us, and I know our listeners do as well. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks, Karina.